because we did a mini episode plus a whole episode of a different podcast. Yeah. So, what podcast is it, Lillian? Thank you, Piper, for asking. <laughs> I have another podcast. Started a brand new podcast called Care So Much. Sorry for our listeners who might find this a bit much. <laughs> this is the fun of the game. Clearly, though, we're learning that if you happen to be a cute, shy virgin, uh, you're probably going to get murdered on this game. So man <laughs> up. all cute, shy, sweet virgins to die. Lillian, hello. How are you? Happy Friday. What's up? Hello. Happy Friday to you. So many things are up, Piper. So as you, our listeners know, you are listening to this on a long holiday weekend. Congratulations. Usually when we bring our Friday energy, it's you guys are stuck on that Monday energy and it's, I'm sure, jarring. <laughs> but we usually, as, as our longtime listeners now, when there's a holiday weekend like this, we'll do a little mini episode and we're doing that today. Plus also a little something extra. Oh. So I'm just going to monologue for the whole beginning of this. I don't even need Piper. <laughs> I'm just going to put on my little sleeping cap and nestle into bed and just be like, oh, honk shoe, honk shoe. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So let's talk quietly so we don't wake up Piper while she's napping. Um, <laughs> you're looking at this going, Lillian, this episode is like, an hour and 20 minutes per always now for you guys. That's not a mini episode. Well, cause we did a mini episode plus a whole episode of a different podcast. Yeah. So, what podcast is it Lillian? Thank you Piper for asking. I'm I sleep a, asking. I have another podcast a few weeks ago, started a brand new podcast called care so much. Yay. And that podcast is where I have different guests on every week to talk about something that they care a lot about. And one of the people who inspired me to start this podcast was Charlene, who is a friend of this podcast from the, her own podcast. Good God, the podcast. I can't, those <laughs> words losing meaning. It's podcast um, inception. <laughs> uh, so she has her own podcast, The Jane Eyre Files. She is the founder of the Jane Eyre Files Facebook group, where we found a lot of lovely people. And I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are familiar with her. I had the opportunity to talk to her for an hour about Jane Eyre and why she cares so much about it. And that's kind of what the podcast is. Every week I talk to a different guest about different things that they care about. So that's what you guys are going to listen to right after this. Piper and I are going to play a little game to give you guys that fresh, hot new content that you love from <laughs> us. And then you'll, you'll listen to that episode of care so much, or I guess technically you could stop and not listen, but I would love it if you would like, listen and let me know what you think and maybe pop over to the care so much feed and see what you think about it over there too. Cause I've got two other episodes out before this. And when, if you're listening to this on the Monday, it comes out tomorrow, one P Cleavy's episode comes out. Yay. Piper, you want to tell them a little bit so that I'm not continuing to monologue about <laughs> what I roped you into? Um, well, I've just popped off my sleepy cap and I'm, I'm back in the podcasting studio. But yeah, no, first of all, definitely listen to this whole thing because I have listened to Lillian's Jane Eyre episode of Care So Much, and it is absolutely delightful and so cool to hear her talk about all those amazing things. But my episode that will be coming up, what I care a lot about is cosplay and how I got into it and what it means to me and my evolution through cosplay. Tune in for that episode too, if you want to hear my takes on, on costuming and all that great stuff. But yeah. 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 I started kind of putting it together. It was so much fun talking to Piper. Obviously, 
I get to talk to her all the time on a podcast doing this. Cosplay is something that she has done like most of the time we've known each other and never, (laughs) yeah. And never (laughs) something that the two of us have really gotten to sit down and talk in depth about. And it was so much fun to chat about all the different amazing experiences you've had from that kind of why you care about it. That comes out September 6th. If you were listening to this on the 5th, Date time is <laughs> listen, time is weird with podcasts and I'm sorry about it. Um, I'm amazed you can keep it all in your head. You're literally that, that meme of like the math numbers flying through the air. So <laughs> that's well done. how I felt. Cause I, well, the, that's the reason I have the spreadsheets Piper. Um, <laughs> anyway, without further ado, we are going to play a game before we actually send you into this episode and our longtime dedicated fans will recognize this game as one we've played before, which is. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and call it what we've always called it, which is sure. fuck, Mary kill. Yeah. I know people play more PG versions of this game. Well, last um, time we played the PG version. I mean, we made it dirty, but we called it uh bang, Mary kill. So yeah. Yeah. Sure. But some people play it bang, Mary forget. What? That's yeah. silly. Oh, those people are wusses. You gotta, have, you gotta have the high stakes or what are we even doing? Yeah. Cause half the fun is describing the intricate ways in which you would kill the person. <laughs> But that's, here's the thing. Piper is the only person I've played with who plays that specific guy. I just have a lot of strong thoughts and I want to share them with people. I'm like, it's not enough that you know that I killed him. I want you to know how they die. Yes. So um, that was one of our previous mini episodes. I genuinely can't remember. It was, or no, did we play that at the end of our Second City TV? Maybe. Uh, Yeah, Um, I think to fill some time. Yeah. Yeah. So because I know people are like dying to go back and listen (laughs) to it. I'm so excited because last time I came up with the pairings and this time Lillian came up with them. So I can't wait. (laughs) And because I always do a little bit too much. I also I also did pictures because our, our, our our groups on social media know that I put this on social media as well. So I was going to have to find pictures anyway. Um, and so now Piper is looking at the first set. Um, so I'll, for, while Piper's noodling this, I did make this specifically for Piper. Oh my gosh. So obviously for everyone, it's going to be a big deal, but this is the pairings and the choices are specifically to make this game hard for Piper. Oh so my gosh. this very first picture that Piper is seeing, um, mm-hmm. I, there, I mostly use pictures of actors from the movies or TV shows. I included <laughs> our palate cleanser gentlemen and ladies. Um, and the, but the, a couple of times I put drawings in because I wanted you to think about the character, not oh. a particular actor. <laughs> Cause I'm just right so, now, can I describe what I'm seeing? Yes. With no context. I didn't finish <laughs> the context before I made Piper look at it. <laughs> Okay, so f- first up for Fuck, Mary Kill, um, Lillian has shown me three images. I'm actually going to go uh, right to left on this. So okay. uh, on the right, we have, um, boy, I can't even think of his name. Uh, he's the love interest from Thornton, Thornton yes, um, from uh, North and South, uh, uh-huh. played by uh, Richard Armitage, very mm-hmm. smexy, uh, looking rather sultry. In the center, we have Mr. Darcy himself from our more modern version of uh, Pride and Prejudice. And then, yes, and then on the left, there is Rochester, but it's a like a, a wood carving drawing of Rochester. So I uh-huh. want you to know, Lillian, that the way I'm answering this question is it's gonna be like illustrated <laughs> Rochester. You can only have him as a cartoon. <laughs> sure, my intention was 
Rochester, like book Rochester. That Uh was the intention of the drone. Like you're amalgamation of all of our Rochesters, but you know what you do, you girl. (laughs) I mean, he's very handsome in the illustration. So he's got a nice Mm -hmm. pilot sitting at his feet. Yeah, pilot's there. Pilot's part of that. Very cute. Fuck, Mary kill for these three gentlemen. Ooh, I think I'm going to marry Thornton because Uh he takes my heart away. I love him to pieces. He's just such a sensitive, powerful being. I did billowy sleeve Thornton. Nice. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to marry him at the point where we've already gotten through our weird misunderstandings and everything. <laughs> so now he's just like super protective and so sweet and passionate. And it's just great. He's running his uh-huh. empire and I'm there at his side helping him Perfect. with it. So fabulous. Uh, I think I'm going to break your heart and I'm going to probably bang Rochester because he would be like so wild. I just know it. And then I'm going to oh kill God. sweet Darcy. <laughs> These are oh this is a God. hard choice. I mean, it's, I think that's what I would do. That's the intention. But I, this is this is what if bang Mary kill was really hard for Piper. It's really hard. I don't want to kill Darcy, but I don't know. I think he would be a very tender, sweet virgin. Um, I think Rochester <laughs> would be a wild cat in a weird way. And I'd be like, oh yeah, God. let's not set the bed on fire after this. <laughs> well, I think what this means, because I, I very intentionally didn't think of my answers before. I think what this means is we're going to have to kill each other's husbands. Cause oh, I no. agree with your logic that I think Rochester would be really good and, <laughs> and he has you know been around the block so he would know what he's doing um but I would marry Darcy have you seen his house yeah he's got I a think great he house would be a sweet little bane I think he <laughs> earns my love and I just I don't want to be the wife of a factory owner who's that into capitalism <laughs> I just he I would fall at my feet when Thornton arrived so whatever he wanted I'd be like yeah cool I'm, I'm good with it let's go <laughs> Sam I've got some bad news for you um, <laughs> he knows he's cool with it <laughs> okay I'm gonna put the next one up and I'll describe it for our listeners while you're you're thinking about it the next one is all palate cleanser boys so we first have uh Hugh Grant who was Edward Ferris in Sense and Sensibility then we have Mr. Bingley from 2005 Pride and Prejudice and we have Laurie from um, the one that I put in here is the 94 Christian Bale from Little Women. Okay, I think I have my answer. Do you want to okay. go first since I went first with the last one? I want you to go first for all of these. Pirates. Okay, okay. All right, I think this is pretty easy. I'm going to bang the guy from Sense and Sensibility. Um, I'm going to marry okay. cute little Bingley uh, and I'm going to easily kill uh, Lori because... Oh. He's kind of smarmy and a jerk in that movie. Um, I mean, I like him. Uh, older him is gross. And you have a photo of older him when he's like <laughs> literally being creepy to Amy. And he's like, mm, <laughs> so your sister's unavailable. How do you feel? It's just like, you know, bad, bad moment for him. So I'm going to kill Lori, Mary Bingley, because, oh, my God, so cute. And all the money. <laughs> and um, I don't I don't really know anything about the personality of Guy from Sense and Sensibility, apart from he's shy and he's playing uh, Hugh Grant. <laughs> so... I'm going to have sex with him and say thanks for that. I think your comments about Darcy being a shy virgin, that's how I feel about Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. In, not in life. Hugh yeah. Grant in life, I think. <laughs> if you've watched any of Hugh Grant stuff recently, Hugh Grant is out here telling us about his Gosh. escapades. <laughs> not <Anyways>. a shy virgin. <laughs> but Hugh Grant in Sense and Sensibility, shy virgin. So yeah. I am going to kill him for that reason. Um <laughs> I'm marrying Bingley. Yeah. And then I, Lori post global trotting, 
Mm-hmm. I think what was he doing in France all that time? Oh, banging all those ballerinas. Absolutely. Yeah, I think maybe he figured out what he was doing. Cool. Yeah. Oh, sorry for our listeners who might find this a bit much. <laughs> This is the fun of the game. Clearly, though, we're learning that if you happen to be a cute, shy virgin, uh, you're probably going to get murdered on this game. So man (laughs) up. Cute, shy, sweet virgins to die. (laughs) So mean, poor little guys. (laughs) Oh, no. Our ladies of Jane Eyre. That's what Piper's looking at now. So she's got to think to herself. Wait a second. One of them is Bronte. (laughs) Is that intentional? I know. It was intentional because I wanted a drawing. And by the way, when you Google Jane Eyre drawings, it's all Bronte. But Bronte was writing about herself. So Charlotte, but really Jane. Okay. Uh So I'm not talking about wanting to bang, marry, or murder the author of the book. No. (laughs) You're talking about your amalgamation of Jane. Maybe I'll switch it when I put it on social because I don't want our listeners to be confused. Uh, (laughs) And then... I put in Bertha, but I put the 2006 Bertha. It doesn't have to be the 2006 Bertha, but that's who I put in. And then Blanche Ingram. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. I'm really torn between the Mary and the fuck when it comes to Bertha, because Mm. on one hand, she would probably be an amazing time. So one time would be fabulous. But on the other hand, if she was my wife, she and I just like running around, like globetrotting <laughs> together, like being crazy ladies. I think that'd be really fun. So I think I'm going to marry Bertha and hope that if I'm like really nice to her and I encourage her and help her, like, you know, work through her, her issues, she won't burn me alive. So I'm going to, I'm going to marry Bertha. Uh, Your love will fix her. I'm yes. <laughs> I think. Oh, Jane. I feel like would also be a boring lay. Um, I know, poor but, Jane. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I would bang uh, Blanche. <laughs> like that might be fun. I don't know. And then kill Jane. Uh, I, that's hard. I want to kill Blanche though. This is a really tricky choice. It's so funny to me that you feel this is tough because I felt like this was the easiest one. If I had simply said I'm going to bang Bertha, then it'd be yeah. easy. I'd, I would marry Jane, duh, and I would kill Blanche. But I think it'd oh be really fun. <laughs> I think it'd be really fun to run around with uh, with Bertha. So I, you know what? Jane has had a hard life, so I'm not going to kill her. I'm going to give her a pity fuck, and then I'm going to kill Blanche. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Okay. What I'm about to say then is going to sound horrible. And I did think it was super easy. Obviously, you bang Bertha. Bertha is known for being promiscuous. She knows what she's doing. We would have a great time. Yes. I'm going to kill Jane because you have to think about your lifestyle you're going to live. Blanche would keep me in comfort because we're living in a world where uh, ladies are marrying ladies and I'm marrying Blanche Mm -hmm. and Blanche has access. I would love to go to, you think I don't want to go to parties and talk shit with (laughs) Blanche all day? That would be so much fun. She would would be be so much chiller if we could just have our own money. And me and Blanche could just like run around at society parties being judgy bitches all day. Totally. 100%. So in this scenario, does that mean Lillian that you are like a wealthy landowner and therefore like she's come after you and she's like, Ooh, like if I'm with you, then I'm going to have your money. And then she finds out that you're actually incredible and you super duper fall in love. Is that the story here? I mean, that's the story I'm writing later today. (laughs) That's what I'm doing with my weekend. Cute. Uh, but that wasn't <laughs> what what was happening in my head is she was rich and powerful. And so I had access to rich riches and power. Cause if I have money, I might choose Jane. 
listen, I love that Jane's this Quakerish girl who's like out here <laughs> and she's, she's doing it herself and she's hustling and she's wearing boring clothes and doesn't need things. I like things. Mm-hmm. And I think Blanche and I would have great things together as a yeah. well, as well as a very loving life. Yeah. You really need to watch uh gentleman Jack on HBO. Cause it's okay. like literally that it's so cute. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Old timey lesbians. Yay. You've told me about that before. I will. I'll go watch it. So we've talked about our ladies. I'm going back to palate cleanser boys for us. Okay. Um, except there's one, this is, I think the hardest one. And I did this one for Piper. So what Piper is seeing is Alan Rickman as Colonel Brandon from Sense and Sensibility. Professor Bear. Um, he's played by Gabriel Byrne. No. Yes. Gabriel Byrne. Yes. Yeah. Gabriel Gabriel Byrne of a man. Yeah. That's right. And Timothy Dalton as Rochester. Okay. So that um, is intentionally a Rochester. That not, is because you said palate cleanser. Yes. That is intentionally oh. Rochester, Timothy Dalton. Lillian, why would Your you do this to me? Because I think it's fun. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I have to kill Severus Snape. Goodbye. Because Colonel Brandon. No. Yeah. Colonel Brandon, very nice, but uh, he's, he's out. He's not even a contender compared to these two. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. I think I'm going to, I, I said something similar for the last time we played this game. So here's my scenario, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to marry Frederick Bear, Professor mm-hmm. Bear, because uh, I can't wait to spend my life with him. So oh. sweet. We're going to just talk about German philosophy until we can't breathe anymore. But I'm going to spend my honeymoon with Rochester, <laughs> Timothy Dalton, and it's going to be like a wild time. <laughs> And then I'll come back to my husband and be like, okay, cool. <laughs> One last fling. I don't know if you've met Timothy Dalton, but he and I are going <laughs> But then I'll be back and then I'll be yours for the rest of time. So I promise to be faithful forever if you let me go and have this fling with Timothy Dalton. And he'll be like, oh, yes, my German romantic philosophy sees the logic in this. So go oh for it. God. And I'm like, you can have your fun weekend with Joe and then we come back together and it's going to be great. I'm going to kill your husband again. I'm so sorry, Piper. Oh, it's not his fault. But as it turns out, what I didn't know about me, but learned on this podcast today, I'm a gold digger and I want to be kept in comfort. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> I'm marrying Alan Rickman's Colonel Brandon. I think he's very sweet and he would love me. And I'm a little bit crazy like uh, Marianne in that movie. And (laughs) so I need somebody who's like, I find it adorable that she's running around being a scamp. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're hopping in the carriage with the landlord and his like mom. (laughs) We're like, see you later. (laughs) What a beautiful life I'm living with him. Oh, so fun. And then I agree. Timothy Dalton's Rochester is peak. Rochester knows what he's doing. Mm. He seduced me with his eyes. I asked Brandon about it and Brandon just wants me to be happy. Yeah. Cause he's a sweet boy. <laughs> he's so sweet. Oh. oh, that was hard Lillian, but okay. I've got, I've got two more that I think are going to be hard for the opposite reasons. Okay. Which is they're terrible. <laughs> so oh, oh, no. oh no. Is, and this is really meant to be the characters, but I did pick particular actors. Um, I've got Mr. Mason. I have Sinjin and I have Mr. Broccoli. Oh God! Well, <laughs> easily we're killing Mr. Broccoli. That's not even a question. I put, it, I put it in here, and I was like, "What an easy kill!" <laughs> well, we need to send him down to hell, where he's so obsessed about talking about that place. So it's like, if you love it so much, why don't you go there? 
please. And that's what we say before we both push him off the cliff. Yes, exactly. So it's a it's a double murder, uh, us working together to kill Mr. Broccoli. Oh, boy. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I guess, again, do a pity fuck for Sinjin Rivers, but it's like, it's real fast. And I'm like, you don't get to talk. Um, and we never speak of this again. <laughs> no kissing, pretty women rules. Yes, yeah. And then I'm gonna probably go run off to Jamaica town with uh, Mr. Mason, cause hopefully yeah. he still lives there. And then we can just kind of hang out on a beach together. And yeah, maybe, that's... you know, before we run off to go get married, we're gonna rescue Bertha and bring her back with us. Yeah, yeah. We're, mm -hmm. we're, we understand what Rochester was doing, Mason and I, we get it. Yeah. I just, Grace Poole can come if she's okay with moving. I think she's doing a great job of taking care of her, mm -hmm. but I don't like for Bertha that she's a secret and she wouldn't have to be a secret with us in Jamaica. Yeah. yeah. Same. No, <laughs> no kissing pretty women rules. Sinjin lights off. <laughs> and I think he is very unhappy the whole time and it oh. does not last very long. No, no. <laughs> just a bad Tim. Oh no. And then my, our last one is our only one with three Rochesters and it's the worst ones. So <laughs> I, the first sense. person that I'm going to pick, the first person that I'm going to name, I want to be clear. I don't think is the worst Rochester. <laughs> and you are going to hear in the care so much episode, an amazing story about the actor. So oh I'm going to give gosh. Piper an out here and say that this is Michael Jaston as Rochester. And then we have uh, another one we talk about in the episode of care so much, which is Syrian Hines. Mm -hmm. And then we have Patrick McMillabla from the 57. <laughs> so we've got 73 Rochester. 97 oh, Rochester, 57 Rochester. Boy, God, okay. Isn't we've it a got, nightmare? <laughs> uh, we've got the one that, in my opinion, is very, like, full of himself. That's the Jason Rochester. Mm -hmm. We've got the Syrian who screams and grabs and breathes air into your mouth. <laughs> like, awful. He's, we know he's bad at kissing. Yeah, so that keep sucks. That in mind. <laughs> and I love kissing because he's my favorite. And then we've got the drunk. Um... <laughs> Oh no. Well, by the way, I just want to be super clear. We use that as a shorthand to reference him because of just like how comically much he drinks. Our problem yes. with him is the abuse, not yes. the addiction. Yes. He He's, grabs he... her on the stairs, puts a rod real close to her face in a threatening manner. It's bad news. It's a bad time. Oh boy. Um, well, since he can't kiss. I think I might have to kill Syrian Hines because he's just the worst. I don't want him eating my furniture off the balcony every time like he's upset about something. Who are you going to marry, Piper? Oh, oh no. I guess I'm going to marry Jason. Yeah. But I don't like him. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I'm going to bang the drunk. <laughs> So I don't know. Um, okay, here's a scenario to make it a little better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to attend uh, drunk Rochester's crazy party. We're both going to get drunk and we're going to do each other. And then I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to leave before the guy gets stabbed. <laughs> Thanks for the drinks. Well, I imagine later. while he's falling down the stairs, Piper's grabbing her clothes going, this was a terrible night. I yeah. hated every part of it. <laughs> I'm like, and that's my cue to leave. <laughs> <laughs> a man just got stabbed. I'm out. <laughs> and I guess I'm going to marry Jason. 
his whole movie was kind of a blur to me. So I'd be like, all right, I guess we're technically married. So uh, we've give got me the a money. lot of we got a lot of rewatches on the list. And I know the 73 is a long, long boy. Mm-hmm. I feel like we gotta add him. We be, we have some time. We have quite some time before we get to him because I just was telling you about how I have a lot of episodes planned out for us. <laughs> but I think we're gonna have to add it to the list because I think you hate him too much. Yeah, I- I'll do a highlight reel of him. But, okay. You know, for okay. you, I would watch we'll the do, whole thing again. We'll, but. we'll put together a redemption of, of 73. Actually, we have a mini episode we need to come up with something for around Christmas. Ooh. That should be our mini episode is us trying to redeem a Rochester the other one doesn't like. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Cool. Okay. I like it. I like it. Oh, good. Lily, okay. what is your choice? I'm doing the same, but not, but, or no, no, no. I'm going to kill 57 and I'm going to have bad sex with Syrian Hines. <laughs> Oh. If you do the no kissing rule, then you don't have to worry about him breathing into your mouth. <laughs> well, and I also just feel like this you might get say. cut out of the podcast. <laughs> no, what? He's like, his forcefulness, it's kind of sexy. No, I think okay. he would listen to me if I was forceful. Mm, you think he'd be submissive? <laughs> I think if I came at him with the right energy, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, dude, remember when we talked about in the book, Book Rochester definitely wants to get domed. Oh, for so, sure. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I love it. Yeah, and I'm not sad about marrying Michael Jason's Rochester. I think he did a lot of things that I wasn't super thrilled with, but I think that he would talk to me and we would have a great time chatting away. And if we're living in a world where Bertha's still alive, I feel like I could manage her care a lot better than he's been managing her care. And she's very clearly like an actually mentally, like actually like fully lost her mind. So Mm -hmm. I think if we gave... Grace and Bertha a little bit more freedom to actually like help treat that. Yeah. It would be a better time for everyone Yay. and would probably relieve some of the guilt for Rochester, you know? There you go. I love that well, marrying in that situation comes with like therapy and counseling and all this other great stuff. Listen, my love will fix them. We've talked about it. <laughs> Leon, that was an amazing round of yeah. fuck, Mary kill. I loved it. Thank it you. Way too much fun. Dude, as you can tell from my vocal reactions, I was delighted. (laughs) Um, So as with last time, I am looking into a couple of different ways to play this better because some of our listeners cheated last time and maybe it wasn't our listeners. Maybe it was just some of those other people who lurk on our Instagram, (laughs) but we had a lot of people who like in the bad ones, the whole point is -hmm. that you have to pick someone to marry and you have to pick someone to fuck. Yeah. Um, please let's remember to mark this as explicit. <laughs> oh yes. Well, you're editing this one, so <laughs> that's a great point. They'll some of our listeners just picked the same person for Mary and fuck. Cause I, I'm a crazy person again who looked at it and went, no, cause you can't have 60% of the people pick this for Mary and that's wrong. Yeah. So no. I'm going to see if I can make it work a different way, but for sure these will all be playable on our social. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually do like one a day cause they can only be up for 24 hours. Yeah. Take, keep an eye out there. By the way, friends who feel like cheating, um, there's a loophole to that. You don't have to cheat that way because guess what? Typically when you're married to someone, you get to have sex with them. Uh-huh. So if you pick married, the sex is implied. <laughs> I think it's more of the, like the Sinjin, Mr. Mason, Mr. Broccoli choices <laughs> that people are like, murder, murder, I don't murder. do that. <laughs> it's like murder 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 murder. it's like no sorry man gun to the head gun to the crotch you gotta choose (laughs) 
And I cannot take credit for that. That's from another podcast that I love. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. Well, speaking of other podcasts that people love, um, you are not going to hear from us again. We're just going to, you're, you're going to listen to the amazing care so much episode that I'm so grateful. Charlene was allowed us both to put in this feed and came on to be one of the very first guests on my new podcast. You can, you'll listen to that right after this, and then we'll be gone. So this is us saying goodbye now, but next week we will be back with a normal episode. We are going to be reading the second to last chunk of the book, all of the Sinjin rivers, his, his (laughs) starring chunk that is so much thicker than I thought it was going to be. And I'm very worried about We'll survive somehow. Don't worry. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. yeah you made we'll it through the child, together. the sad childhood. You can make it through the, uh, I can never think of what he's called a missionary. You can make it through the missionary. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I was pleasantly surprised by the childhood. So maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised again. Yeah. We get to meet the fun sisters who are secretly cousins. Yes. Sister cousins, cousin, <laughs> husband. <laughs> No. Anyway, so, we'll we'll let you go. We won't trap you here anymore before the hour long podcast you have to listen to. Enjoy. <laughs> it's to, a good please. one. Yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Jane Eyre was just sort of everything about it appealed to me, like the the romance and Jane's character and her growth. Something happened where I just, I loved it. I started reading it, rereading it, different chapters. Oh, I want to read this part. I want to see the scene again. Personal now, because <laughs> I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's an interview that he gave oh, for really? Rochester where his take on Rochester was basically he's a trash uh, man. And <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, you don't clearly don't get the character and you don't care to. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Care So Much. I'm so excited about today's guest. Darlene is an amazing enthusiast for a topic that I am also pretty enthusiastic about, which is the story Jane Eyre in all its different forms. She has a podcast called Jane Eyre Files. She also has Instagram and Twitter. She has some blogs. And then there's also an amazing Facebook group. Did you make that? I did start it. Yeah, I did. That is also called Jane Eyre Files, but the podcast is with an F and the group is with a PH. And we actually got connected from my other podcast, um, Air Buds, I do with my co-host Piper Cleveland. And we talk about Charlene, I'm going to stop monologuing about you (laughs) and tell us how you got into Jane Eyre. Well, I, I, first of all, I love the term enthusiast because I, you know, I'm a fan of a lot of things, but Jane Eyre has always really been close to me. And I do think of myself as an enthusiast as like a, a, a different level mm-hmm. of just uh, obsession, I guess it would be. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I read Jane Eyre when I was 15 in high school. And it was sort of a moment when I was, I, I've always loved reading and I kind of wanted to uh, read more classics. I had read Tom Sawyer and I really loved that book. Like just the depth of the, of the storytelling was different from like Nancy Drew, which I was reading a lot of, mm-hmm. and a lot of those like like more chapter mysteries and things. And, um, so yeah, I, I picked up Jane Eyre and I remember starting it and, uh, I was at, I, I remember start, starting it as I was waiting for my friend to get uh to finish changing from our tennis class and <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that was like my thing of like I'll just you know I have 
two minutes, I'm going to start reading a book. And um, and Jane Eyre was just sort of the everything everything about it appealed to me, like the the romance and Jane's character and her growth. And um, something happened where I just I loved it. I started reading it, rereading it. <clears throat> I would read like different chapters, like just oh, I want to read this part. I want to see the scene again. And after that, it turned into, well, there's adaptation. So let me watch some of these films and mm-hmm. I go to my local library and uh, it was just, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> That's so spectacular. That's, um, I feel like high school us would have been really good friends because I was also the girl who always had a book with me. Right. <laughs> I, yes. would, I had a big purse so that I could have a book with me. And so I'd go to like, <laughs> the mall with my family and I'd shop for like 10 minutes and then I'd find a bench and read like yes definitely the mall was a great place to read (laughs) because this is before if we're I was I think we're about the same age so this was before everybody had cell phones everywhere so you had to have a book to have something to do right right for for some people who may be listening and this feels more likely on this podcast than our other podcasts (laughs) who maybe don't know the story of Jane Eyre just High level, quick hits. We are going to spoil the story of Jane Eyre, by the way. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Oh, if you haven't read it, you shouldn't know the the big twist. <laughs> but what is the story of Jane Eyre for those who maybe haven't heard it before? It is an old, it's, you know, it's 175 years old. So obviously we can discuss spoilers. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Jane Eyre is a Bildungsroman. And a gothic romance. So that Bildungsroman is is a term, is a German term for like a story that shows how a character grows morally and psychologically from childhood. So it begins with Jane's unhappy childhood with her aunt and her cousins who really don't care for her. And then they send her to school where it's more important that the children read their Bible and pray than get nourishing food and warmth, you know, those Mm -hmm. things. Uh, And then Jane survives that, becomes a teacher there. And decides to see more of the world by becoming a governess in a fine house where she falls in love with the master of the house and then finds out on their wedding day, this is a twist, that he is married to an insane woman who he keeps in the attic. Uh, so Jane runs away, finds a home with a clergyman and his sisters who turn out to be her cousins. That's actually another twist right there. <laughs> and then Jane inherits money from an uncle, declines to marry her cousin who needs someone to help out with his missionary work. Returns to Rochester after his wife is dead, and Rochester is lost a hand and an eye, and that's a happy ending. <laughs> it, one of my favorite things is a speed run of Jane Eyre because it's <laughs> so wild. You guys do it on your on your podcast, and it's fun. <laughs> yes, and it's such a it's such a wild story, and it's easy to forget how wild it is when you spend as much time with it yeah. as you and I do, and when you pa- pack it all in together like that, the response for people who don't know about it it was my first response is like what do you what do you mean that's crazy you mean you like rochester what is that right like let's rewind so it's it's full of this beautiful language and this amazing storytelling and as you mentioned that depth of story so i have lots of reasons why jane Eyre is special to me i am so curious as to why this story is so special to you I've thought about that, of course, of like, why, why is this my favorite book? And why does it resonate with me so strongly? And I heard, I remember hearing something on a podcast, actually, about how they were talking, obviously, you know, ASMR, um, which Mm -hmm. is for hearing, and they said, there's also visual ASMR, you know, for other senses where you kind of get those pleasurable sensations. And I Mm. think sometimes like Jane Eyre, 
just kind of triggers all the right parts of my brain and everything that I love to read about stories is kind of my ASMR books <laughs> nice. where, yeah, cause I just, I do love, I guess it's also like a Gothic romance though. Those kind of tropes, the, those really appeal yeah. to me if I read them in like in a synopsis of a book, I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick the, pick that up. But yeah, I don't know. The, the romantic tension is perfect to me. Uh, mm-hmm. The suspense of the mystery at Thornfield. And, and then, you know, we have a, a female protagonist that I really identify with on multiple levels, you know, because she's, you know, she's reserved like me. I'm, I'm a little shy and she loves books and she loves learning new things and she follows her heart and does, you know, what, she, what needs to be done no matter what. So I just, I feel like she's very aspirational uh, too, very inspiring. So I, I don't know. I guess I guess that is why I feel this the story is so special to me. Yeah. You talked about tropes that you really liked that you kind of look for in gothic literature and gothic romance. What are some of those that stand out to you that you're like, I love this in Jane Eyre and I love it in other books as well? Well, I always love romantic tension where, you know, they you know that they love each other, but you don't know how they're going to get together. And if there's also a little bit of mystery or suspense, something brewing that might keep them apart. Forbidden romance, I guess. All the famous kind of gothic novels like Dracula and Anne Radcliffe, like her books, they're, they're always so much fun to read. Daphne du Maurier, who wrote Rebecca, like those kinds of stories really appeal to me. I think those are some of a lot of people's favorite tropes out of these books is mm-hmm. that forbidden romance. There's something about that that's... Yeah, a lot of people focus on it. Yeah, there's so many layers to that, too, with this relationship where there's the like, was it more okay at the time that he was her boss and she was oh, 19? Right. Um, and then also the, I get hung up all the time on a question that I ask frequently, is Rochester a good person? You wonder, like, you know, sort of like like Twilight, Edward Cullen, like, is, is he mm. a good kind of boyfriend yeah. to have? You know, probably not in real yeah, life. Yeah, I would say no. Yeah. <laughs> But in the book, you know, it's really exciting and fun to read. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's sort of, you know, I don't want to equate Rochester with Edward Cullen because, you know, Rochester's not a vampire. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a level. <laughs> there's a little different. But I, I don't know. I, I do love Ro- Rochester. I feel like he has like a, this ideal male romantic protagonist uh, to me, I guess, because he's, you know, very passionate and brooding, humorous with a like sarcastic wit and just intelligent commanding. It's just, it's a great kind of, well, the Byronic hero aspect to Mm -hmm. him that I, I find really appealing as a, you know, to read about. And obviously, you know, you don't always want to date that kind of person. You know, my (laughs) husband is nothing like Rochester in that sense. (laughs) Uh, But, but yeah, whether or not he's a good person, you know, you just, you've got, I guess that really comes down to how he treats Bertha, and mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of talk about Bertha as a sort of a um, as a victim of Rochester, mm-hmm. which it doesn't feel very true. It, it feels like, like a modern viewpoint because I think Charlotte yeah. Bronte at that time didn't mean for that to be the case. Where you know, yeah. I don't know, Bertha Bertha as a character is described by Rochester, but you know, through through that, he, she's described as like selfish, entitled, unchaste, and and cruel. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not really a person that I want to be besties with, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And this is all before she was deemed insane, you know. So I just, I think that it's interesting that she has become this sort of feminist symbol in the book when Mm -hmm. she doesn't seem to really be the sort of ideal kind of person that you'd like to get to know. But obviously, 
you know, mental health back then is not what it is today and understanding of it, I mean. So it's yeah. like Charlotte didn't really think think of those sort of implications. Well, and how could she possibly have 150 years ago? Like, yeah, that's because because we talk a lot about the fact that there wasn't a good other option. Like, that's true. Yeah. So that's, that's like the other choice. She was like, it's it's, you know, as I understand it, it's better to have kept her, you know, with her own attendant than put her in asylum where she probably would have been very much neglected and mis and abused and not taken care of at all. So, you know, it's not it's, yeah. it's not an ideal situation either way, but. Yeah. And I think sort of speaking of Jane as or Jane Eyre as this story that exists very clearly in 1847 when Charlotte Bronte published this novel Mm -hmm. and then is also sort of this timeless character. There's so many stories that we love that get put into this timeless space. Um, One of the other big things along with Bertha that gets sort of both looked at from that perspective of what Charlotte Bronte originally intended and was talking about and then is also brought to today and compared to what our standards today would be. Mm. Jane's feminism and Jane as a feminist character and icon is something that people talk a lot about. Um, And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that, because you mentioned Bertha as this character that feminists look at and go, you locked her in an attic. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. And if someone was doing that today, I'd be real mad. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not a, not okay now. <laughs> um, but I think there's a lot of complexities with Jane's character too, and what is very clearly an incredibly feminist text for 1847, and still some of those themes hold true as feminism today, and then some of them maybe not the most feminist choices. And I'm curious as to what your sort of thoughts are on on Jane as a character in that kind of dual light. Obviously, feminism has progressed a lot from, you know, back then to now. Thank goodness. Yes, definitely. And, you know, at that time, simply saying that a woman has feelings equal to a man was, you know, probably very controversial. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's where Jane Eyre is at. And the fact that that Jane is, is speaking to the reader and sharing her thoughts and feelings in a way that is maybe thought of as unfeminine um Mm -hmm. but valid very valid and and maybe giving people or men uh, the kind of viewpoint that this is this is true for all women i think that that's very important to think about when Mm -hmm. you know you look at janus as a a feminist icon even though ultimately seems that romantic love is the goal of her life or the Mm -hmm. reward when you know obviously woman a woman should be more fulfilled than that for Jane you know was she she really she really didn't have much as a mm-hmm. child she was treated terribly uh, for her to find love and also independence and uh, mm-hmm. family at the end it's just it's a it's a great character arc for her and mm-hmm. shows that a woman deserves all of these things yeah. uh, that's 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 kind of my take on how inspiring I find this book to be yeah. And, and I think that that's such a great summary of of sort of those joys of Jane and her the the struggle of that book cuz I think you know um and anyone who's listening, hearing my thoughts on Jane Eyre for the first time I struggle with that childhood. I think it's really great <laughs> character development, but it is a yeah. hard time. And so it the the happy ending really 
She deserves that. She's yes. been through so much, our girl. Yeah. It's like, you know, sure, Mr. Rochester could have treated her a little better. Should could have mm-hmm. not lied to her, but obviously <laughs> they still love each other very much. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's who she wants in the end and not Sinjin Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what a plain, plain dry toast of a man. Um, <laughs> so true. <laughs> one of the things that I'm really curious about, because I... This is an experience that I've had, and I think anyone who's researched Jane Eyre the way that I have probably has also experienced this. I search a lot of deep cut things about Jane Eyre. I'm looking for all the different adaptions. We're trying to watch all the adaptions on my other podcast. So, yes, you're doing you're doing good work there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying real hard, um, and I think the only. Lots of times people will say, like, I've watched every adaption of Jane Eyre. And my response is always, no, you haven't. The <laughs> only person that I would hear that from and be like, you've definitely watched more than me is you. Um, <laughs> because every time that I am searching for something, the number of times I've stumbled across something and been like, this is a cool source. I should go see if they have other things. It turns out you're the author of all oh, of it. Really? And you wrote <laughs> all of the authority on the internet for Jane Eyre always oh. comes back to you somehow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious about kind of what all the different ways you've shared Jane Eyre with people mm-hmm. through your different blogs and different things and why you kind of choose to, to do that. What, what kind of made you go, I love this thing. I want to share this thing with people and find more people who love this thing. You know, going back to when I read the book in high school and then I, I watched adaptations, I think what really started it off um, was when I when I got to college, you know, I had seen all the adaptations that were very easily defined. So there's, you know, the, the major film versions and the 1983 miniseries, uh, those are really easy to find. So when I got to college and I discovered that there was another miniseries that was made in 1973 um, that starred Sorka Cusack and Michael Jaston, I found that I found someone online who had a copy uh, that they had burned uh, from watching it on TV back in like the 70s, they burned it to DVD and they were offering it to people because you couldn't buy this uh, commercially. Now you can. So if anyone wants to check it out. But um, so, yes, I, I found the person's uh, information. I asked them for a copy. And, you know, in that interim of time between them sending it to me and me watching it all in one day, I was really curious about what you know who are these people who are these actors what did it what did it even look like and i could find nothing like there's nothing on the on the internet about it so when i got the adaptation and i really really fell in love with it i decided that i wanted to put more information on the web i created a website which i had to learn how to do because i didn't know how to do it i i had a blog at that time which i kind of just used and i i found other people who liked jane eyre and i would talk to them about it and so I guess that also inspired me to kind of put more information out there. So I created the website and, um, and then from that website, I thought, well, actually I've seen all these different adaptations. I want to make another website just about all the adaptations that I've seen and put up pictures and like cast lists and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. And then once I did that, you know what, that was also, so that was when I was in college and Facebook was, barely becoming a thing and at that time too you can only have uh, Facebook if you're a college student so that's why I created the Facebook page that you know and 
only people from my college, which was UC Davis, um, they were the only ones who were able to join it. And then when it opened up, then I started getting a lot more people joining, which was really nice. And I think maybe because it was one of the first kind of Janer communities on Facebook that were out there. So, uh, yeah. So then and then from that, I, you know, I, I had that other blog and I was like, well, let me just kind of turn it into Janer blog because that's what I really like to talk about. So <laughs> that's kind of how it went. Yeah, I think that's so wonderful. And it's such a great example of the best version of the internet, right? Like, oh, yeah. we all know there's dark sides of the internet. We're not going to talk about those right now. <laughs> but I think the best version of the internet and this really special thing that um, people who get really excited about something, I mean, it's so easy now. It's so at our fingertips now to go find mm-hmm. a bunch of other people who like the thing. Um, that it's easy to forget that that was something that had to be created. And I think that's the reason why so much of your stuff is still sort of the authority on Jane Eyre stuff, because oh. A, you researched it well. So I've never, I've yet to find a fact on your blog that was contradicted anywhere. So oh. that's, that's <laughs> fantastic. Very trustworthy. Um, and then two is that you you noticed that this was missing and you created that and you then created this community of people and found that other people were as excited as you. And it's the, that's the joy of the internet, right? Is finding a bunch of people who are also really passionate about this thing that you are, who you wouldn't stumble across on the street because you're not walking up to strangers going, Jane Eyre, do you like it? <laughs> Wearing a big t-shirt emblazoned. Talk to me if you love Jane Eyre. <laughs> yes, which I do, but ev- only every other Sunday and people don't like it in my town. <laughs> yeah, it's very true because I feel like there's, I mean, I can't think of actually one person that I've actually met who have told me, has told me, oh yeah, I love Jane Eyre. It's just, yeah. it's just people on the internet that I mm-hmm. can find that. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been, it's lovely to hear that you, you find my, my, all of that information helpful and, and it seems to be pervading different corners of the Jane Eyre internet. <laughs> yes. Which I have been on a few different corners of the internet and one of the most overwhelmingly positive spaces is the Jane Eyre internet. I think so too. Yeah. (laughs) We started our podcast knowing almost nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's pretty clear from our first few episodes. And we sort of stumbled into this group of people where we were like, oh my God, you guys all really love Jane Eyre. Um, and it was through this like infectious enthusiasm and incredibly warm welcome to two goobers who didn't know what we were talking about. Um, and I think that speaks to the community that you created around this thing that you love because you are definitely like the founder and creator of, of this group and this group of really positive humans. Oh, that's so, that's so kind to hear. It's also strange to hear, but yeah, (laughs) it's very nice. I'm sure it's, it's hard to see from the inside. Um, but I think from the outside, it's, it's very clear to me that that is, um, this, and I also think, I think there's parts of the story of Jane Eyre too, that lend itself to that, where there is this moral, it's a conversation around morality and it's anyone who sees it as black and white is misreading the story. It's a very Mm. gray story. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity to see things from multiple perspectives where a lot of the communities on the internet don't do that. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of opinions out there, a lot of different takes (laughs) on just anything. It's, it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to, to kind of 
you know, I feel like you fall into a certain camp of like, you know, which adaptation you like, or, Mm -hmm. you know, is one that I find interesting is the conversation of like, is Rochester handsome? (laughs) (laughs) Where, you know, clearly in the book, she says no, that he's not. And people still say that maybe Rochester wasn't handsome at that time, but, you know, the tastes in male beauty were different, which Mm -hmm. I feel like, well, I think Charlotte Bronte really meant for her, for her protagonist to just not be appealing visually (laughs) yeah yeah um which that is probably the biggest flaw in all these adaptions they keep casting ridiculously attractive men (laughs) to play rochester you can't look at timothy dalton and michael fassbender and be like (laughs) yeah jane what are you talking about So speaking of all the different adaptions, you mentioned the 83 one being special to you and the 73 I know is is particularly special to you. Uh-huh. What are kind of some of your, your favorite adaptations of Jane Eyre and what makes them? I feel like I could do a whole ranking of like, this is the best. <laughs> this is also really good. But I'm yeah. down for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, no, 1973 is my favorite and... I feel that the best adaptations are the ones that are most true to the novel. I love the fidelity to the script Mm -hmm. and the characters. You know, there's a reason why we love this story. And I really like how the 1973 brings it to life and sort of captures, you know, these different, like, there's just such a a great attention to detail in that, in that Mm -hmm. version. The 1983 adaptation with um, Zila Clark and Timothy Dalton, that's also like very close to the novel, very good adaptation. Personal favorite, you know, it's hard to, when you get to the films, because obviously they don't have the time to Mm -hmm. show everything that's in the book. So you have to cut stuff and it gets a little chopped up. But the 2011 film really stands out to me. Like after all these years, I feel like of watching Jane Eyre adaptations and thinking, oh, you know, it's really hard to do two hour Jane Eyre. I thought they did Mm -hmm. such a great job and- I thought Mia Wasikowska as Jane was just incredible. Like, she's my favorite Jane. Yeah. Just how she, I don't know, exuded the personality. Mm-hmm. That ability to be the combination of young and innocent and yet strong in the way that Jane is strong mm-hmm. is so hard to do. And I yeah. also, I agree. I think she nailed it. Yeah. And uh, and I think it helps that she was actually young because I know a lot of Jane mm-hmm. actresses <laughs> You know, they get up there a little age and, you know, obviously an actress can act anything, but it does help, mm-hmm. I feel like, to see that Jane is really young in the story and she's experiencing a lot of things for the first time. And that helps when you understand how she's dealing with everything. And then in the end, you know, you feel really great about how she ends up. You mentioned some of the things, obviously, you like true to the book. That's mm-hmm. that's great. What do you think some of the adaptions have maybe missed like what makes it a, a not great adaption? And feel free to name names. <laughs> <laughs> Syrian Hines. I, I don't like Syrian You <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Syrian Hines was in a 1997 TV movie. He was so close and he just really <laughs> whiffed it there for the last 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah, I think I think it was it's more personal now because <laughs> I don't know. There's a there's a there's an interview that he 
gay oh, for really? Rochester, where his take on Rochester was basically he's a trash uh, man. And <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, you don't clearly don't get the character and you don't care to. So <laughs> I feel like that informed his uh, portrayal. But anyways, I know a lot of people still like have to version. go find this now. I have to go find that interview and watch it now. So I, will, I will send it to you. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. See, this is what you you're the you're the expert. You're I usually I I talk on this show about the fact that I don't expect people to be experts. I expect them to be enthusiasts. Um and I think you're both things. Um I have a lot of years to to just <laughs> peruse the internet for these things, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So Siri and Hines. And what, for those who maybe haven't, and honestly, maybe shouldn't, um, if you're not going to watch them all, maybe it's one to skip. So he clearly, he didn't like the character of Rochester. He thinks he's not the, not the best of of folks. Yeah. What about his performance do you think missed? And what was it that he missed about Rochester? Well, you know, you you want Jane to be happy uh, with a man who loves her. And from Siri and Hines' portrayal, he seemed a lot... Uh, a lot more angry and uh, the way that he portrayed it didn't, didn't have that tenderness of feeling, you know, that I, I mm-hmm. think he should, he should have also mixed in a little bit with the anger. It just felt m- more manipulative, I think, because you don't get the sense that he loves her and that he wants her to stay with him, uh, you know, despite everything, because he will absolutely take care of her and he will always think about her first, which is something yeah. that I, I tend to think of as being a, an, an indication that this is a good Rochester when you know, you know, despite everything that he's done, he really does love her and he's going to, you know, he's going to treat her like a queen, basically. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to hear more about other things that you dislike, but I want to specifically compare that to your favorite portrayal, which <laughs> is done by, I think of in my head, your close personal friend, Michael Jason. <laughs> Um, because and so talk a little bit about his performance and then uh how you guys became probably best friends would be the right way to describe it (laughs) i can i could uh subscribe to that um no so yeah so you know i did watch the 1973 adaptation in college this was the one that you know what wasn't available anywhere and i was able to find someone who sent me a copy and i just became uh obsessed and just all these different moments that i just love the way certain lines were delivered and the way certain scenes were portrayed. So I would watch those over and over again. And over time, it, I realized, you know, I really like Michael Jason's work. Like, I think he was a standout performance in this uh, adaptation. So I would go and watch more of his stuff. And, you know, there's a movie he did in 1970 called Nicholas and Alexandra. It was about the czars uh, in Russia and oh, cool. um, he played Nicholas, our Nicholas. And if you compare his Rochester to that performance as our Nicholas, just polar opposites. You know, Czar Nicholas is, mm-hmm. is has a lot of weakness, sort of, in the way that he's ruling um, Russia and makes a lot of mistakes. And his kind of sort of his demeanor is kind of subservient, sort of, to his wife. And it's just I don't know. It was like in, in, a great comparison um and showcase of like michael jason's performance and his acting abilities so from then on i just kind of pick up everything that kind of he made um he was also in doctor who so i started getting into doctor who and then 
now that I learned how to make a website, I thought, well, there's not much about Michael Jason on the web. So I will create one for his work and put up everything I kind of find uh, about him. And, you know, that, that, that was for several years. I had that website going, I still have it going, but uh, eventually at some point, uh, someone related to him, which actually later I found out was his daughter, uh, found the website mm-hmm. and showed it to him. And I got an email from him and he's, he's basically thanking me for the website and he's very appreciative. And uh, that was that for a few months. And then I happened to take a flight uh, to visit a friend in Poland and the, the layover was in London. So from London to Germany, he was on my flight. So oh we, my god, <laughs> that's amazing! Right, As I mean, this is just a total coincidence. Like we landed in Germany, I get up to get like get my luggage down, and I look over and I see him, and I'm just in shock. <laughs> I can't believe it because it's just what are the odds? And um, so he's actually filming something in Germany, so that's why he was there. And so when we, we you know I kind of get off the plane, and I go up to him and I say, I'm, I'm a big fan. And he said, uh, oh, actually, I also said I have a website for him. And he said, oh, there's a woman in uh, America who has a website for me. And I'm like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so he was shocked, too, because, you know, obviously it's, yeah. it's such a coincidence. And then, um, you know, again, he was so appreciative about the website that he said, no, you know, next time you're in London, let's I'll, t- I'll treat you to a lunch or something. So. Oh Next time I was in London, <laughs> I sent him an email and he met up with me. And then it's sort of been something that we'll do. Like if I ever go to England, I, I actually got to went to England for my honeymoon with my husband. So we met up with him and and we had a nice dinner, uh, or a nice lunch with his wife as well. And it's just it's just so nice to be able to talk to him about these things. You know, talk to him about his role as Rochester. We actually recorded a podcast episode of Jane Eyre Files uh, interviewing him because he was here in, in Los Angeles for a Doctor Who convention. So that was just incredible experience. I was mostly kidding when I said you guys were best friends because I only <laughs> knew about the podcast episode and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh my God, that's so amazing. Oh, that fills me so much joy. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, Jane Eyre just in many different ways has brought me so much joy. <laughs> yeah. Just meeting people and then being able to talk to Michael Jason about it. It's fun. Yeah. Well, that, what a little sweetie then that like he, I can't, that's like so nice. Both oh, of yeah. you guys are so nice. Oh. <laughs> Ugh, just the nicest folks. Yeah. He's absolutely, he's, he's great to talk to. He's, he's very outgoing. Like he'll always like talk to people if you come up to him and, and you recognize him. He's, he's always happy to talk to people. Oh, that's so amazing. I'm going to, I'm just reeling from how much joy that brought me to hear this <laughs> lovely story of this sweet man. I think we talked we were talking about good and bad versions of Jane Eyre and so obviously we talked about Siri and Hines not really hitting it are there other ways that you feel like people misinterpret this story other versions that you're like close but no or like you maybe miss the whole point yeah (laughs) I think it's so easy to focus on Jane Eyre as as a romance and on Rochester, really. Like, I feel like there's even mm-hmm. like DVD covers of Jane. It says Jane Eyre and it's Mr. Rochester, like front and center, just a huge picture of him where it's just like, I get it. Like Rochester is a very compelling character and he's dynamic, but 
you know, it's, it is Jane's story. And when you focus mm-hmm. on Jane as, you know, someone, you know, sort of audience surrogate where, you know, you want to experience the things that she's experiencing, then I think that's when an adaptation gets it right of like focusing yeah. on Jane, especially since yeah. it's it's difficult. I know because she's, she's so internal with her emotions. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Cause it's easy to think of Jane Eyre just as this romance and there's so much in that and it's so compelling. And I think it's one of the reasons people really fall in love with it and kind of find their way into it. Mm-hmm. But especially if you read the book, Jane is such an incredible character who deserves to have all of those sides of her really seen. Yeah. And so it's it's too easy to get lost in Rochester and his gigantic personality. <laughs> Very true. Do you find the adaptations more compelling now that you know a little bit more about the story in the books? That's such an interesting question, which is great that you're flipping this on me. <laughs> um, but I, I think I do. I find more depth in it. I don't know that I would have been able to make it through the childhood if I hadn't, if I didn't know the story and didn't know where it was going. You mean in the book? In the book. Oh, I right, don't, right. I think the childhood is so incredibly done and like mm. so compelling. And the emotion in this story is so well done. Like you really feel it while you're reading that. Yeah, absolutely. I would have, it would have just bummed me out and too, too hard if I didn't know where it was going. <laughs> yeah. Been... It, it takes a while <laughs> for Jade to get something out of life. <laughs> And you and you miss some of those, like, the highlights for me in the story are, like, seeing these, like, seeds that are planted that then kind of come to fruition later. I think if I'd been reading it in, like, a high school class where I was being guided through it, I maybe could have done it. Mm-hmm. But reading it on my own, and this is me personally, I think lots of people would love it. I'm, I'm curious as to, we often talk, so again, for those who maybe don't listen to my other podcast earbuds, me and my co-host uh, didn't read the book before we started a podcast about Jane Eyre because <laughs> we just went, this will be fun. And it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about the fact that for us, the movies and TV shows and all of that were sort of our way in. And then we get this amazing experience of delving into the text and kind of seeing where they're coming from and all of those layers that of this story that we get to enjoy because we have this foundation that we've done with watching these different adaptions. Yeah, that makes but sense. But I'm curious as to what you would somebody coming in fresh who at this point has had the story 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 spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what what how would you like recommend when you talk to somebody and they're like, oh Jane Eyre, like tell me about that. How should I get into it? How do you recommend that they go about it? Well, I I do want to stress that I, again, I I I love for someone to read the book first, but I want them to like the story too. So mm-hmm. if the best way for them to get into the story is adaptations, that's great because I I want them to really appreciate the story. But obviously, if they are sort of a reader and they can stand, because mm-hmm. it's it's a long book, <laughs> if they can stand it, then I recommend reading the book. But if they can't or they're not inclined then let's let's throw out a movie let's i'll watch it with you (laughs) do you do like if if a friend is like listen i'm never gonna get through the book it's she's a hefty boy and i just can't do it if they're if they're not gonna do the book and they're not gonna do the 73 tv show because they just want to really tie your hands they don't have five hours that's weird (laughs) (laughs) they're not just gonna spend their 
two days watching that or just a day that's really intense. Which movie do you recommend that they watch as their very first one? Uh, Well, my personal favorite is the 2011 Mm -hmm. Mia Wasikowska, Michael Fassbender. I feel like it captures the novel really well, but I also think that it's very internal. So it's it's almost like if you read the story, you can follow it better because you know what Jane is feeling. For a movie version, that's just fun to watch. I feel like the 1943 Joan Fontaine, Orson Welles, Mm because it's dramatic and, you know, it's black and white. And I know that kind of turns people off too, but I think it's just a really good starting point. Yeah. If you love classic movies, it's just a fantastic classic movie as well. Yeah. And and the changes that they made to the story aren't too bad. (laughs) Yeah. I have some very specific criticisms, but we don't want to turn this into Lillian (laughs) ranting about her specific criticisms because that'll be another hour and people don't have time for that. (laughs) Well, I think you would recommend the 1970 adaptation? That, I don't know that I would recommend it as a way in, but I I just loved it as a version of Jane Eyre. Right. Um, I think it polished off some of the pieces that I get frustrated with in the story. If you're a purist, which you are, I'm cu- I'm actually, now that I've got you here trapped on my <laughs> podcast, um, I loved it. I'm very curious as to what you think of the 1970 version with George C. Scott and Susanna York. You know, it's, it's a, it's a fine adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> that was so generous of you. <laughs> I think it's really interesting to think of that one. You know, when you think of, just the flow, just sort of the history of Jane adaptations. That is really the first one that really attempts to adapt the novel where, you know, Orson Welles, they kind of just picked apart, oh, this is the interesting part. So let's just film this. Whereas the 1971 really goes through it. And I really mm-hmm. respect that about that because I think it's very poetic in the way that it shows the story. I don't really think Susanna York was the right fit for Jane or George C. Scott either. So it's like, it's not my favorite, but. Susanna York is at least as far as I'm aware, you actually probably would know. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh I think she's the oldest Jane actress. I think so. She was 30 when she played the character. Yeah, that sounds Um, right. Or just over 30. Jane is supposed to be 19. Yeah, 18, 19. I think they make it clear in the 1970 adaptation. They never refer to her age. They never refer to how long she's been at Lowood. <laughs> yeah. And they take a lot of the things out that you watch a 19-year-old do, and you're like, oof, that is a teenage move. Yeah, absolutely. That's a choice a teenager would make. And they go, you can't have a 30-year-old woman do that. She'll look <laughs> dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel, too, sometimes about what, like, just in general, don't don't cast an older woman as Jane. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of beautiful that's that's the thing that I love about the different adaptations is the ways that it can interpret this similar kind of heart of a story and have a slightly different spin on it and a slightly different way to tell the story. Yeah. Which is interesting because I know I think of the two of us, I would describe you as much more of a purist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I I I find it interesting to see what they do um, when they Mm -hmm. try to reinterpret or try to introduce new ways to tell the story. But I appreciate it more when it's closer to the book. And I, you know, personally just like it more. I should say again, 2011 film, you know, they they kind of the you start with Jane leaving Thornfield, Mm -hmm. which I think is a great idea. Actually, it does really kind of tie everything together really well. So you're not just kind of plopped into this whole storyline 
towards the end of the film that they have to kind of rush through and it also creates a lot of tension and i feel like i'm a purist but i can understand certain <laughs> changes to the story and appreciate well, them sometimes and it's fine to be a purist if that's your yeah. preference that's your preference <laughs> like the things you like <laughs> thank you lillian <laughs> you're welcome you did actually need my permission and now that you have i it. feel much better now yes <laughs> There you go. You're welcome. Things that I'm very curious about is one of the things that we talk about and some other um, spaces have talked about is how much of Rochester's character and Jane's Jane's character a little less so because we're hearing it from her story from her perspective. Mm-hmm. But in the book, how much of some of these key points are left up for interpretation? Um, and I'm curious as to if you have strong opinions from kind of looking through the book as to what charlotte bronte's intention were with those things or if you feel like she did that very intentionally and was trying to leave those open that's a really interesting point i had actually thought if if charlotte bronte wanted to leave things open i think that i have you know had this book in my head for a long time so you know i like to consider what charlotte bronte would have thought obviously how how can i know that sort of interpretations of rochester through people that Charlotte Bronte knew. And then you think, oh, okay, is she writing this character because of this person that she, you know, a, a teacher that she was in love with in um, Brussels, who had sort of the same kind of sardonic, uh, commanding sort of influence on her. And so she found it fun to write that in Rochester. I feel that her version of Rochester is very solid, I guess. I, th- I think she she, mm. she knew who she who she wanted to portray, and whether or not that came across to everybody or it just comes across differently to other people. Obviously, that you can't control that. You kind of mentioned that you have this solid idea of Rochester, and do you see Rochester as like a really particular way? Like, do you see do you read and interpret his lines very specifically? I think. I think that now it is because, again, I've watched so much, I've read so yeah. much that it is very particular in my head, the way that he will even speak lines, I think. Oh, also mm. because of, um, de- definitely because of Michael Jason's interpretation, that does that, <laughs> stick in my head. But yeah, I think when our, on our Jane Eyre Files podcast, there'll be times when my husband, Mike, will introduce a thought or say something about, you know, Rochester's motivations where to me, like there was no question of his motivations where, you know, I guess if I was reading this cold, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay. Maybe we don't know, you know, why he's paying attention to Blanche Ingram. Whereas I know, Mm -hmm. oh, he's clearly very much in love with Jane Mm -hmm. and there's no, he has no interest in Blanche and he just wants to use her to make Jane jealous. So, you know, that seems that seems odd to me that it's not at very clear, but I'm definitely set in my ways a bit in how I <laughs> in how I read the books, which is lovely. I love it <laughs> that you can answer some questions for me then, because there's a few spaces that I know are sort of controversial, questionable moments. Uh, uh-huh. When do you think Rochester falls in love with Jane? I think there's a moment when. You know, Jane is sort of walking around uh, Thornfield and Rochester is like kind of watching her. <laughs> this is something he shares. It's in... not. It's normal. It's not creepy at all, guys. <laughs> you know, because he's he just wants to make sure she's a good employee. Um, so there, that when he starts to get a sense of her character, 
So this is like before he really starts talking to her. I feel like he's starting mm-hmm. to have feelings, you know, that yeah. she's different than other women that he's he's met or talked to in the past. And so when he really falls for her, I, I feel definitely by the time she saves him uh, from the fire yeah. that he's in love with her. Somewhere in that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I also felt like, I, I personally also think it's a fire. Some people say it's like, some people do interpret it as like when Blanche Ingram is there, it's like maybe he wants her, maybe he doesn't. Oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah. I think it's later. <laughs> I mean, I think it's earlier than that. I think he's fully in love with her at that point. <laughs> but okay, here's another one. And this one, this is one that matters a lot to me. Do you think, do you think Mrs. Fairfax knows? About oh. about Bertha, she, I she don't. Knows, I think she's, just, I think, she's just a little bean, right? Yeah, that's that's too mean to think that that she knows that Mr. Rochester is married. Like she could know yeah. that someone's up there and that someone's like sick or taking being taken okay. care of. But I think that Mrs. Fairfax doesn't know that he's married because that would be really terrible for Jane. Like just tell her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jane. <laughs> I I love a Mrs. Fairfax. She's really she's really kind and nice. motherly (laughs) do you think adele is rochester's daughter i don't (laughs) neither do i okay good yes i think that mr rochester is pretty clear to say that this is celine's other other uh child and piper who's not here but will be the voice for anyway she does think that there's a really solid chance that adele is rochester's daughter and (laughs) i like i think you can read it either way i think it's a possibility I don't think so. And it's just us here. So we win. (laughs) (laughs) We figured it out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank goodness. Um, It's only, it's been a hundred plus years, but between the two of us, we figured it out. We're now the authority. And I think everyone can acknowledge that. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. One of the things you mentioned up top when you were talking about why Jane Eyre is so special to you is that feeling of connection with Jane as, as an introvert, as a book lover. What sort of are some of the pieces of Jane that you feel you relate to most that has made this story kind of stay special for you? And does it feel different looking at her now versus when you first read it when you were 15? I think my gut is that it hasn't really changed where I still mm. really appreciate her romance. You know, I think what has changed is that I I appreciate the other parts of the book more than the romance Yeah. now, where before... I was really focused on Jane and Rochester and the Thornfield section where now, you know, on our podcast, Jane and Files, you know, we're going through the book chapter by chapter. And now we're towards the end of the chapter, towards the end of the novel with Sinjin Rivers and Jane is away Mm -hmm. from Rochester. And you, you really have more of an appreciation of that time too, of like what that means for Jane to kind of get clarity, I guess, in her thoughts and, Um, especially in how she's dealing with her life. But I really appreciate about Jane that she, that her thoughts and her emotions are so internal as a shy person. You know, I feel sometimes that I can't express myself the way that I want or that people don't see me the way that I think that they see me or something. And there's a sort of that anxiety where, you know, you read something like Jane Eyre and she has kind of those thoughts or those anxieties about her appearance and she still pushes through and she accomplishes so much and she achieves all this you know everything that she wants basically and I really love seeing female heroine who can achieve that and be shy 
and you know maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little awkward and she just she's ultimately happy and I, I love that Jane our Jane is happy that's yeah. so wonderful <laughs> I mean obviously you and I could talk about this for many many days yeah um, let's do adaptation by adaptation <laughs> we're gonna have Air Buds yes. part two <laughs> Yeah, so this is this is actually the beginning of an eight-hour podcast, everyone. <laughs> Buckle up. But I just am so thrilled to have you here. It, it Genuinely, you were one of the first people I thought of when I was thinking of this podcast because you're just in my head. I was like, that's the kind of person that I want to talk to is someone who's <laughs> this passionate about their thing. Oh, um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for making the time to be here and for for those of you listening, you're listening to this in the future because I got Charlene to do this before the podcast even launched. So <laughs> technically, she agreed to be on something that doesn't exist. Well, I can't wait to hear the episodes when they come out. I think this is a really exciting <laughs> idea for a con- uh, for a podcast. And- so I mentioned a couple ways that people can find you up top, but if people are looking, where are the ways that people can find you? So my first website was the Enthusiast Guide to Jane Eyre. My handle now is Air Guide, so that's you know. E-Y-R-E-G-U-I-D-E. And I have that on Instagram and Twitter and also airguide.com, which is sort of my blog, which I don't think I've been posting on there uh, recently, but it it has a lot of a lot of posts about Jane Eyre mm-hmm. and specific <laughs> things that I thought about about it. So uh, if you find me, especially on Instagram, I'm a lot more active and also check out our podcast, Jane Eyre Files, if you are wanting to hear more about the story, because we really do analysis and discussions about every chapter. Yeah. So it's you and your husband going through chapter by chapter, right? Mm-hmm. That was his first time reading it, right? Or has had he read it before? Love him for this. He read it when he met me because I love it so Cute. much. <laughs> and Aww. it was great to talk to him about it. And I kind of wanted to bring that same energy to the podcast. And so this is basically a second time reading it. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. Um, We will, of course, have all of that information in the episode description for anyone looking for that. Um, You can find Care So Much Pod across all social channels. So we're on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and YouTube and just everywhere on the internet. It's all care so much. Um, You can email at caresomuchpod at gmail.com. And if you're out there and there's something you care about a lot and you don't think anybody else cares, just know that I do. I care so much 